0: Welcome, everyone, to the Expressions of Wisdom podcast. Uh, We have a mover and shaker on the podcast today. Um, It's Quayne Guevara, and Quayne does incredible, incredible work with the youth in Catholic Youth Parramatta. Um, She is really out here killing the game, really such a powerful force. And yet, at the same time, there's a really humble, chill fun person to connect with. And I. that's why I wanted to invite you here today. Quayne, welcome to the podcast. Thanks,
1: Jacob. I'm really excited to be on this. You know, when you had invited me, I thought this is really cool. What a great initiative and what a way to really give people an opportunity to share the, the ways in which God moves in their lives. So thanks for the invitation.
0: Yeah, super pumped, super pumped. Um, Quayne, first things first, we always start off with the question of the podcast. Quentin, what is wisdom to you?
1: Wisdom. Well, when I was young, I, I had once been asked between wisdom and knowledge, which one would I prefer to have? I think when I was very young, I thought I'm going to go for knowledge because I always equated knowledge to power. And I thought if I had all the knowledge in the world, then I'll be the most powerful person. I can make a real, real difference in the world. And then as I sort of journeyed along in my faith, I started to realize that actually wisdom is this incredible gift that we are given that helps us to make really good decisions in our lives. So it gives us a bit of a framework by which we are able to take the next step, hopefully in faith and trust uh, in towards things that are good for us and and good for the world, and especially those that we serve. So wisdom, I think, is this gift given by God, that is a gift by the Holy Spirit that leads us towards making good decisions uh, that allows human beings to flourish. So yeah, that's a bit of a nut, uh, nutshell. But I always thought that knowledge was the be all and end all. I thought if I had all the knowledge in the world, I could make the biggest difference. But I think my my thought on that is true.
0: that's cool. That's really cool. I've never heard of a distinction between choosing choosing knowledge versus wisdom. I'm going to ask, how does one develop wisdom
1: it's a good question i think wisdom really comes from an openness i think perhaps when we're young we like to think that uh, we know everything and we really struggle to be attentive to the voices of others uh, but really wisdom comes from the experience of of life and being open to what those experiences might teach us about what it means to be human what it means to be in relationship with other people. And so over time, perhaps as we grow in maturity, as life throws uh, different curveballs mm-hmm. our way, we develop this capacity to really hold those experiences as a way to inform the, the way we navigate life uh, moving forward. So I think it's experience. I think it's also an openness to receive those experiences and also a, a sort of... Um, willingness to engage in those things that we've learned and apply that to what's in front of us
0: Mm. so uh, what's interesting um around this one it's it's kind of experience plus um plus i love kind of what you're saying around navigation and and making kind of the right decisions sort of thing and i i would just want to know like like how does how how does one start to get like I say, say if you're kind of, you're, 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 in life right now and you're just kind of like, I don't know, what do I do with it sort of thing? Um, where, where do you go? Where do you go to get that kind of right navigation and where do you, where do you get kickstarted with this kind of journey?
1: Yeah, that's, that's cool. I, you know, I think, I think in inherent in us is this desire for more. I think human beings, can only really be human beings uh, if they are in relation with God or other people. So I can't fully know who I am unless I am in right relationship with other human beings or with God, and that's my understanding of, of how humans are created. And therefore um, I think there's a, like I said, there's an innate knowledge in us or perhaps even wisdom that there is something greater than ourselves. I think it's very key in understanding then um, how we go about living our lives as human beings, right? So um, if we say, if we feel quite young in the world, uh, we don't have the experience and maybe that that um, makes us insecure about not having wisdom, I think it's okay. I think it's okay to not be quite there. I think wisdom comes from uh, the entering into what life offers, the entering into what it means to be human. And we really start to figure that out as we navigate through life. So there are certain stages of our life that we um, have to go through. For example, adolescence, young adulthood, uh, relationships, things that break down, things that grow. And in those experiences, I think we are given opportunities to develop wisdom. So, for example, we might learn how best to uh, hold somebody's um, vulnerability, right? So when we were younger, perhaps we weren't sure about how to uh, hold that well, to care for that person in a particular way. But as experience would teach us, we develop a sort of wisdom in being able to then accompany someone who might share with us the struggles of their life. So one, I think it's being okay with where you're at, Two is is partly understanding what it means to be human, and that's to be in relationship with other people. And three, again, is that openness to the experiences that are put before us, and the ways in which uh, we're being taught about our humanity and life in those experiences in the present.
0: Mm. So, Quinn, you've mentioned openness, like to experience, kind of being invited in front of you, which is it's kind of fascinating because. I think sometimes we feel as though we're trying to, you know, I feel as though personally, sometimes I try to go for different experiences or I feel like I should be in a different experience. But I think what's really interesting is kind of having an openness to be to the experience that's happening right in front of you. Hey, could you, could you kind of talk about that? Could you speak towards that?
1: Yeah, I think, I think this kind of understanding of life has really developed over the years. I think partly because maybe in some way, um, from what you've described, I'm a little bit like that. I think I want to be somewhere else. I struggle to be in the present. And and to be honest, in many ways, I also often think about the past. But I think the invitation really that I've felt in the last couple of years, maybe it's been COVID, maybe it's been the messages through my own prayer time and my relationships with people, is, is really being present and the gift of the now and what that has to offer we live in a you would know this we live in a really crazy reality of trying to cram all these experiences into a 24 hour period and one of the biggest complaints that we have is that we don't have enough time right and i think part, partly because we have a warped relationship with time as if it's this it's this thing that um that should dictate everything But in reality, it's the one constant we have. It's almost as if we know it's there, Um, but it's not in some way as finite as we might think, especially for one who believes in something more. So I think the invitation then is what what is in the now that we are being called to respond to, um, keeping in mind that there is that something more, and therefore if right now is all we have, Perhaps we can make decisions that, that enable us to be ready for the something more. Uh, and over time, I think we start to develop a wisdom in that pres- being present in the, in the ministry of the present, um, I think is what I've um, been led to, particularly in my line of work. How do I be present with the people that I'm called to serve? And what does that then teach me about myself, my humanity, about God? Um, and about
0: his love whoa okay so that's that's really cool because we've kind of there's been a new thread that's kind of i feel like has been open around around that ministry ministry of of presence but with with other people and and i think I, i would like to learn and kind of question um like your thoughts around relationships um connections and 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 how 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 that ministry is done? Because I feel, for, for when I've witnessed Ukraine, you're quite, um, you're quite just you're very natural at it with the connection. I I really see, but like from from afar, it may just look like natural and chill. But I, I know from the, the kind of the youth leader's eye, how how like you know, there's there was something that was built up, like there was kind of you know in, in that to get to that point. So could you, mm. yeah, kind of explore that.
1: Yeah, for sure. I really like this question because I think I learn a lot from the way that Jesus is in the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, I would start with curiosity, and really, I think that is that's what leads me into relationship with people. I'm so curious about who they are, about what drives them, about what gives them hope, what what keeps them up in the night, you know, from sleeping. What are the things that they that they hear and listen to, I'm curious about the ways in which their relationships have formed them. And I think it's really that curiosity that leads into a desire to ask questions and therefore listen. And and perhaps this is where a lot of relationships start, is this wanting to know about the other. And in in order to be able to do that well, one needs to be curious about someone. Um, so that's the curiosity piece and then the second piece is is really the listening. So I could be curious about you but then and then ask you questions and then all of a sudden you're you're answering these questions, but I'm not really listening. And that that really invites us this call to listen really invites us to be present. you know try trying to remove the distractions and the worries or the, Maybe even the responses that we think the other person wants to hear, you know, we're already preempting what's next or what's going to come out of our mouth. But I think being okay with sitting with uh, not knowing exactly where a conversation might lead is, is really tapping into that ministry of presence. And I think that's very much in line with how Jesus was in the Gospels and what he teaches us about accompaniment, about being present, about relationships. Uh, and it's not always pretty. Like I, you know, I, I have a number of friendships and we all have connections um, and there's been some really tough conversations that I've had to enter into and I didn't know what the outcome would be. Um, but that's part of the risk, I think, of the desire to be quite authentic in being present, that you don't always know the outcome, but you you hope that the desire to be present leads to something that's good, beautiful. True, and hopefully that points to God.
0: That is so. Uh, that's um. I mean, I, I want to ask. Like, I really, I love, I love all that. I'm vibing with that. Um, what, I, what I want to ask is, is like, what is it about presence and 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 listening and and trying to understand and get curious about someone? What, like, w- what's going on there?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Okay, let me give you an example. So uh, when a child is born, one of the biggest things that they will try to do is get their parents' attention, right? So in many ways, uh, I think this is a deep need we have as human beings to be seen and to be cared for. And I think that's all part of the invitation for us to really be present in someone's life. Uh, Part of it is to feel that, fulfill that need to the ways in which we can as human beings um to see one another face to face, to to be in relationship with one another face to face. And that's why, that's why COVID was such a difficult time for the world, because um, we are made for a relationship. We are made together. We are made to be in communion. When we look at the Trinity, in its essence, it's a it's a community. And so if we are made in the image and likeness of God, we are therefore called to be that community. Mm. But, how, how, but how can we be that community if we, if we don't enter into uh, into relationship with people, into that being present, into that accompaniment? So I think that's all part of it, this desire to be seen, but also the, the design in which we've been created, which is to be in community.
0: That is so strange. That is so trippy. I I really I really kind of love that kind of that parallel there with um the Trinity community and us being in community as well. And what I'm just kind of really kind of um just kind of fascinated just of recently it is the whole relationship with with God thing, how there's a relationship with each other, a different relationship with yourself, a relationship, you know. With your, your body, your your health, like all these, it's all relationship based. And I, I, I just I wonder, like, I don't even know what question to ask around um, relationship, but it just seems like it's baked into the fabric of reality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's the way that God has created us. I mean, in and of Himself, God didn't need us, right? I don't. We know this as fact. He didn't need to create us for his own, you know, there was no need. But out of love, out of an overflowing of love, there was a desire to create, and that creation is us. So even from the get, it was out of love. It was out of relationship that we uh, we have been made. And so, yes, inherently, we are all interconnected, and therefore, we talk about the body of Christ being all these different parts, making up a whole. I think often we forget in society, and perhaps this is where uh, the brokenness piece comes in, uh, we operate in a very individual kind of nature, which goes against everything of you know who we are. We are so relational. But part of the struggle we have in the context in which we live in this time of history is that. A lot of the things around us promote an individual individualism um, that doesn't promote the unity and communion that we are created for. Uh, you know, you look at the major companies, um, the advertising campaigns, everything is about self-fulfillment. How do I fulfill my desire? How do I get on top? How do I win? And these are all messages that I think contradict that that call to unity, that call to communion, that I think if we really were to sit and reflect on, we would realise that at the core of us is this desire for right relationship, is to be in good relationship with people.
0: Whoa, okay. So that's really cool because um I feel recently I've I've started to see I when you're kind of doing this when I'm started this podcast journey a part of it is kind of looking within and saying okay what's actually holding me back and a lot of what i've started to see is that I've been so kind of self-centered selfish in in my motivation and in a lot of ways it kind of stunts me because it it gets me really tight of, of what are other people going to think of me whatever you know but then all of a sudden when when I start thinking about how can i serve others or how can this be out of love for others? It's almost like I'm taken to a place where it's safe to create.
1: Yeah. 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 I am. Um, that, that really resonates with me, Jacob. I, I firmly believe that if people knew just how deeply loved they are, they can do anything. Mm. I think if people knew just how loved they were, they would be able to take risks. They would be okay with making mistakes or looking like a fool or, you know, going in a different direction to what everyone else thinks is good for them um, or what's, what's right for them, quote, unquote, because we know that we have a God who loves us unconditionally. And if we really align ourselves with that of God's love, then in many ways, the fruit of that relationship, that relationship with God through prayer, through service, through all the other ways in which we deepen our relationship with God, the fruit of that, or rather the response that we have to that love, is none other than a desire to to serve, is to love, is to go out, go out into the deep and take risks, you know, for God. So, yeah, I think it's all interconnected in that way. It doesn't you just want, come out of nowhere.
0: No, no, that's awesome. Because even what you said before, Ukraine, okay, was like how God kind of overflowed with love, and that's why we were created. And, and, like, if we're made in God's image, like, it's kind of like the, can we overflow with love? So I guess my next question is that, how do we how do we increase the love or like how 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 can there be more love how can i have more love how can how can we have more love sort of thing
1: yeah it's a great question i think one of the things that i've noticed about this generation is that we struggle to receive love so even and this is partly because we live in a very individualistic society we struggle to ask for help and we struggle then to receive the help or the support or love. And maybe part of that is the insecurity that we have of of looking weak or incapable. But there's something quite special about asking people for help and also learning how to receive love. Because in our asking, in our growing in capacity to receive, we actually enable others to grow in their capacity to love, right? So how how do we teach each other to love? It's not only by the giving. It's also in our capacity to receive.
0: Oh, oh my. Okay, yeah. so how, how can then do we, how do, we rec- how do we receive?
1: I think a lot of it comes from a recognition that we don't have it altogether, and that's totally okay. It's a recognition, again, that we're human, and, and so we need one another. And therefore, in different areas of our life where we f- might feel like we're struggling or we might not know the answers or we don't feel like we, we have the support that we need, we need to figure out how to be okay with asking for help. And I, I speak from experience. Like I am, it's so driven in me to want to go 100 miles per hour, do one thing after the other. If I can't do something, I'll Google it myself. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm very much speaking to myself as well when I talk about um, the need to grow in my capacity to receive love. And I've really had, I've had to learn how to ask for help even though it's probably one of the hardest things to do, um, I've had to learn to ask those people around me that I trust and say, hey, today I'm not feeling well. Um, can you say a prayer for me? Or, hey, mate, look, it's it's been a really tough week. Would it be okay for you to spend time, like quality time with me because that's how I receive love? Um, if there's something at home that I just cannot um like installing something and I need extra hands to be okay to uh, ask my my family for help to help me put something together. I think sometimes maybe we feel kind of uh, like we're, we're bothering people but I think you know the invitation that we give someone to help us is actually something quite courageous to ask. So um, I think it starts with the recognition that we don't have it all together often and the willingness to uh, ask in times of need. I think we can really witness to our uh, our commune nature of community in that way.
0: I really love that claim because what what that's kind of calling towards for me is it's kind of like it's kind of like humi- humility. Like you, you kind of got to like oh man, I, here I am putting up my front, but then okay, if I want to you know progress forward in life, essentially. I've got to be, I, I've got to drop it all and and appear as kind of, oh, this is my vulnerability sort of thing. Like, yeah, this is the world. Please help. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I,
1: yeah. I, And I think that's really beautiful. I mean, look at how many times Jesus asked for help. The The fact that he invited 12 disciples to accompany him. I mean, Jesus could have done it himself. He could have just been like, I'll do it myself. I'll take care of myself. <laughs> I don't need anybody else. But he 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 invited people to walk with him along the journey. And he asked them to bring their gifts and their strengths and their vulnerabilities and everything that they were to be involved in the ministry and mission of of God. So, you know, if we feel vulnerable in asking for help, I mean, look at the way in which Jesus does it. I just I remember, you know, even in the garden of Gethsemane where he asks his disciple friends to stay with him and is like can you please stay awake like i really need you to stay awake with me you know that's jesus asking for help
0: mm. oh that's beautiful actually I that's i love when that comes to mind crane i got i got another question now um and it's kind of along the seam of the grain but it's like i'm you know how you run like events and stuff and you, you do like, you know, youth things and you put together, you know, projects and you just launch it and you do it. Ha- have you ever, well, have you ever kind of run up against like, oh, it's not going to be that good or uh, that kind of perfectionism? And how do you, how do you just get past it and get it out into the world anyway?
1: Yeah, good question. Yes, I do often think about things not hitting the mark, things not working out. Um, and it's also, I think, part of what I'm called to my work. So there's a level of risk management that I need to uh, be mindful about in terms of how things should be run and uh, the frameworks in which I need to operate in, given that this is my uh, my role employed by the diocese. So there is that aspect to it. But I think... Uh, a lot of the fear kind of melts away uh, once I am set on the goal or the vision for that particular project. Say so, for example, I mean, you've been to a number of our events that we hold in the diocese. Um, one event that we didn't get to do this year was Sports Day. But not on on days that it worked out or days, oh, sorry, in years that it, it has worked out, Sports Day has has been a key point of uh an opportunity for community and an opportunity for evangelization so two things right so we want our parish youth groups to develop a sense of community so what they'll do is they'll invite all their youth group the young people into an experience of training of putting together preparing etc and that all builds community right and then hopefully in doing so there's also new people being invited into that space. So there's that evangelization piece. So then in terms of structuring the project or the day, sports day, it's about facilitating then the safest, most exciting and vibrant dynamic day that enables our parishes to bring their young people into that space to experience God in a different way. So mm-hmm. I've been able to uh, really focus on the goal of the, of the project and then move towards planning to deliver those outcomes and sometimes it doesn't work out like you know this we didn't have sports day three three times it was cancelled this <laughs> year right? and that was really hard as somebody who's you know organizing these events to not be able to offer that to the young people about biases something that you all really look forward to but i i need to trust that even in the the goal in setting that up and the the work that was put into it there are there are fruits that I may not see right i need to trust that even putting the planning and and the dates forward that there are some fruits at a local level that meet the need of building community building a sense of uh, invitation for people not connected to church so i think it comes with with uh, the experience over time of over time knowing that you won't always get it right um but the intentions are good and if you have a really good support system around you you can be held accountable to the ways in which you you know navigate those challenges um even though it may not always turn out
0: right that's so that's so nice and i think you kind of you melted it for me a little bit even when you said around just having a vision for for the project i mean Like, oh, that makes sense. If you have a target and you set a target for something and it's like you can kind of just plan towards that and and work towards that. And also, secondly, it may have been my fault because on all three occasions I could not make it. might have (laughs) been (laughs) me.
1: It's either Jacob or the weather.
0: Yeah. (laughs) My bad, my bad.
1: (laughs) You'll have to be part of the planning team for next year (laughs) then. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. I'll put it on a date where I can come. and Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah, for sure, probably.
0: Uh, That's funny. Yeah, that's good, that's good. And I might just say, like, those events are so fun. Why are those events so fun? And I'll be right back. I'm just going to turn my light on.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Why are those events so fun? Look, I think think at the core of what we strive to do in Catholic Youth Parramatta is to... Young people first. And I don't think we would do things if we didn't feel like these uh, opportunities together resonated with the young people that we're called to serve. So, a lot of I think we try to do our best in having the voices of young people involved in the planning, um, exploring ideas and opportunities. And when we do that, when we involve young people, I think that's what helps it be as vibrant and dynamic as they are because it's not just some older person standing at the front saying, this is what church is and this is what faith is. It's that experiential thing. It's that presence. It's the accompaniment. It's the um, being okay with not knowing everything and entering into that with our young people so that they also become co-creators of the spaces in which they with, in which they exist.
0: Right so it's kind of like um you've kind of tapped into the heart of the young people to see kind of what what kind of lights them up for sort the of thing
1: Oh yeah for sure I think young people hold so many incredible dreams and visions for for the world and the world in which they want to they want to live in for the future you know and so why, why wouldn't we want to involve young know, people in, in decision-making and, and planning projects? Um, it gives young people a sense of ownership into their future. And hopefully what it also does is that it, it builds a confidence in them that who they are is precisely what God invites them um, into as they are. You know, They don't need to be anything more than who they are. So I think that's part of, Part of the work too in in affirming young people of their dignity at, at the age that they're at
0: that's interesting what what happens when a young person is affirmed of their dignity and they kind of build that that inner sense there
1: I think we see it so often in the dice is a parameter we see it in the ideas that they come up with you know even like yourself starting this podcast I mean this is this is something that's that comes from what I hope has been uh, some people in your life who love you, who has instilled this confidence in you to explore this opportunity. You know, there's been a number of young people that I've that I've spoken to who have started their own businesses, Catholic apparel, jewelry, creative stuff. People who have started their own um, basketball teams, gathered their friends to start an Oz tag team. Young people when they are affirmed of their dignity and they they're built um, they've built confidence through the love and support of their community, they go out and do incredible things and things that many of um, past generations wouldn't have possibly thought about because young people are the people of the right now, the ones who, know about technology and the trends and how culture's moving you know they're so informed about all those things so in many ways they're in a very good position to respond to the needs of the now in creative ways
0: so magical because like oh like if you can just kind of like the community putting love and support into a young person and that young person just bears fruits and creates and gives 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 and I think that's just such a wonderful, beautiful inspiring process. and i I guess I think you know that is kind of part of the joy of, of youth group and from from my experience of youth group and how much confidence it gave me and what what um, but sometimes like you forget you forget that like these sort of things have have an impact and i I'd like to know more about the impact you know that impact side of things.
1: Mm -hmm. and when it comes to youth ministry
0: yeah youth ministry and yeah yeah yeah
1: Yeah, i think the the impact sometimes we don't see in the time um which we're serving i think there are moments in the accompaniment of young people where you're like oh i i really see the change in them you know you're like i that person was not like that when they first started in youth group right or when they first came to us at catholic youth Paramedal. They were not uh, showing up in the world in this way. Um, and so there are, there are some impacts or some fruits of our service that we will see, um, but I can assure you that there's a lot of other fruits um, that we don't see. And I think that really helps us to be quite humble about the way in which we serve, that we are not the be-all and end-all of a child's faith journey we have the incredible privilege in the time that they have given us, they, they have said um, yes to in relationship with us, where they say, I trust you for this moment in my life to accompany me towards hopefully a deeper relationship with God. And often we don't know what that looks like later on. Maybe it's three, five, ten years, who knows, when the fruit of that will show up. But I think it's part of the trust and the faithfulness to the service um, that enables us to keep doing what we do, despite not always seeing the tangible outcomes of of ministry.
0: Wow, mm. it's a it's such a it's such a magical and privileged process, and I think that is crazy how there's impact that a part of part impact that you have that. You won't even get to see, but it's it happens anyway. Yeah, and I, yeah. And when you were talking about that, I've I, my mind flashed back to people that have impacted me in 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 like small ways, but how that's compounded over time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and so when you think about it, then right when we say yes to service, then then what a privilege, right? Like what an incredible privilege we have in the time that we're given with the young people before us to accompany them at that point in their life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think when we see it that way I think it it really changes our perspective about how we do ministry. You know, so um yeah, I'm I'm always so grateful that I get to that this is what I'm called to right now at this point in my life that I can to serve young people in this way.
0: Mm-hmm super powerful super powerful and one thing i'd, I'd like to kind of question uh, ask of you queen is that in in serving young people and in, in serving others and stuff has that increased your your own kind of um i guess the term we're using is dignity and kind of sense of confidence what what has what kind of impact has has that sort of thing had on you and what what's increased your dignity and confidence the most
1: Yeah. Good question. The first thing I'm just going to say the first thing that came into my mind, I think in the shift that I've experienced to be um, at the service of others. So my favorite verse in the whole entire Bible, in the whole entire Bible is John 15, 13, which is no greater love there is than for a man to lay down his life for his friends. Mm. And that's what I really feel like I've been called to as a real laying down of my own life. And I see that in the example of Jesus and the way that he laid down, literally laid down his life for for us. And I think as a, as a fruit of that laying down, or at least my desire to lay my life down for others, I've experienced a lot of healing. I've experienced a lot of uh, reconciliation. And I think that's, helped me become a little bit more whole or maybe not whole, but more confident in, in who I am, in everything that I've experienced, the ups, the downs, my weaknesses, my frailties, my brokenness. I think all of these things, including my hopes and dreams and my gifts and strengths, all of these things is what makes me human. It's what makes me me. And it's really been through a life through service and ministry that i've been able to understand that about who i am that god loves me in my entirety that i do not need to be a particular way in order to receive that love and so really without community and without opportunities to serve to be affirmed of who i am i don't think i'll be i'd be so confident in in god's love for me in the way that i i am now so yeah i think it's a it's a journey right like um i think that's the beauty of you know when people talk about this pilgrimage journey of this life uh it it comes with it it's it's often bittersweet it's the ups and downs it's the both end of our faith
0: Mm, that's beautiful i I love that kind of Services, healing, and that frailty and all the kind of weakness and the humany stuff, kind of being loved and being used for 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 service, and that hey, you can bring all that stuff along with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. um I I wanted to because i remember one time when you posted on your story. It was the studs, the studs. Um, did you see that? T- talk to me about that because that kind yeah, of yeah. yeah vibes. I was vibing with that as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. So there's a new documentary by Joni Hill where he interviews his therapist, and they sort of go through some key things that journey heal feels as though has been helpful for his own healing journey and I just found it super insightful just a different perspective in terms of uh, the process of healing I mean you know as as humans uh, we're not perfect Uh, and I don't think the goal is to become necessarily perfect in this life I think part of it is an invitation towards uh to that relationship i think you touched on it earlier you know how do we find a sense of um sense of home in ourselves that you know in this body or personhood that we have been gifted with that we feel a sense of alignment that this is who we are and we are we are in many ways at peace with that as a gift from god so yeah, I just I really loved that documentary, and perhaps it's the the aspect of my nature to be quite inqu- inquisitive about you know what it means to be human. I love being able to um, develop language that then can articulate things to different kinds of people, so that we can get can all get on the same page in some sense about you know how we relate better to one another. So yeah, just really enjoyed, really really enjoyed that documentary.
0: Yeah, I felt like it was it was quite a it was quite a refreshing splash of cold water that felt kind of real. Yeah. And I think um I you've said what, what it means to be human. You mentioned it a couple of times. And I'd like to know, Queen, so far as you see it, what does it mean to be human?
1: Yeah, I love this. This is one of my favorite topics. <laughs> um I think what it means to be human is to really figure out um, who we are in relation to to God and to others. And I remember um, I was on pilgrimage after World Youth Aid in Poland 2016 and my friends and I had gone into this store, I think it was in Rome, and we had gone to the store and there were all these sort of apparel sort of like displayed. And right at the top, there was a T-shirt. And I ended up buying this T-shirt. But on, I bought it because uh, on the shirt it said, mess is more. And mm-hmm. I think prior to that, I used to think that in order to be human, uh, we needed to be this polished, um, Super presentable, looking really crisp, having it all together, kind of person. And lo and behold, as you enter into a deeper relationship with God, you start to realize that actually, what it means to be human is, in fact, not just you know the polished side of, and you know some people are in live their lives in such a way, but in its whole entirety i think to be human is to embrace everything that comes with um being human the suffering the joys the pains the the milestones the moments where we feel deep love and the moments when we feel deep grief i think to experience all of that in its entirety is part of what it means to be human
0: Humanity as the experience of everything, and, yeah, uh, yeah, that's pretty, and that's I. It's so strange, like around, um, it's just such a strange. I find it such a strange concept around discovering, uh, who you are, in in relation to others. That is such a I don't know why, but that's such a, a strange thing to me. Because I I know that, on on the podcast before, people have we, we've I've talked about. Self-discovery, but I'm interested around self-discovery of who, who we are to, in, in relation to others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like who, who are we? Who are we in relation to others?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's kind of like, um, how do I, like, maybe a, maybe a weird analogy, right? Like how... How does the sky know that, that it's a, it's the sky without there being the ocean like everything has its place connected to another like how how do I know uh, you know you can say this about anything but I think we we are held by each other like I am human like I'm quain because, um, because of my relationship and understanding with God, but also with the things that surround me that you know in many ways, how can I fully know who I am unless i that is unraveled through my experiences and in my relationships with people, like if I discover that as I go through life and as people share with me about how they experience me, you know I wouldn't be able to know completely about um the passion that i have if so many people in my life didn't tell me hey queen like you know you're really passionate right like i i wouldn't i wouldn't be able to have named that for myself unless other people saw that and experienced that about me so i think that's what i'm getting at when when i'm i'm talking about that self awareness and that self knowledge coming from your relationship with people because we uh, we we know that we are human when we are in relationship with others because that's how we've been we've been created to be in relationship.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating because even like even when I think you said a little bit back, you said to show up in the world, like to show up in the world like that, mm-hmm. and it's it's just so crazy how we are kind of created and known through other people's experience of us and and how that's integral to it all
1: yeah for sure I agree with that
0: mm. yeah well Quain, is there anything else on your heart that that is being called to be expressed today tonight?
1: yeah oh, let me see well you know it's been a it's been a big year and uh, we've got a huge year ahead of us in youth ministry. In the life of the church, with particularly for young people, with World Youth Day coming up, um, but I really love the the theme of this World Youth Day that Pope Francis has um, invited us into, and that's uh, "rise, go out with haste," and it's really an image of our Blessed Mother going out to to meet her cousin Elizabeth with this haste, you know, with this urgency urgency and I and I think that really resonates with perhaps where I'm at and what's on my heart is that you know if we if we recognize a need if we uh, know that there are areas in our lives that um, we can show up um, well in for others to not wait around for it after two years of COVID I think we're in a really good position to act and what better time than right here, right now?
0: Ooh, that's massive. Could you repeat it? It was a rise and, and act, where, and what was it? So it's rise, go out
1: with haste, yeah.
0: Rise, go out with haste. Yeah. Oh, do it, hey.
1: Yeah. If you want to check it out, Luke uh, chapter one.
0: And Luke, you can Luke chapter read, one?
1: You can read it all with the way in which Mary, who is a young person, by the way, our blessed mother, uh, responds to the need of her cousin, Elizabeth. She gets up and she leaves with haste to go meet her.
0: Mm, beautiful, beautiful. And Quain, um, last thing, do you have any intentions for the young people or all people or any listeners of the podcast or, or just, yeah, yeah, we'll we're just listeners of the podcast or anyone even with a message?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Just want to say thanks to Jacob for this opportunity to be in conversation. I have learnt quite a bit about myself through just your curiosity and I really value that about you, Jacob. So I just first and foremost want to say thank you. And perhaps secondly, for those listening, just to know that you matter and that you are deeply loved by God. And if that doesn't seem like it's real, um, my hope is that one day it becomes very real for you and tangible so that you can realize who you are, um, fully loved and created for good.
0: Amen, sister. Get it. <laughs>
1: that's it. That's it.
0: Quain, thank you. Thank you so much for being on on the show. Um, if you would like to get in contact with Crane, shoot me a message and I will link you up with the queue herself. Um Quayne, thank you a million. And hopefully we're going to have you back another time. So sure. I think there'll have to be a Quayne sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds
1: good. Anytime, Jacob. Thanks a ton.
0: Awesome. Thanks, Quayne. See you, Take everyone. Care. And- Bye.